Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, do you have an obstacle that's holding you back? You know, I talk to people every day that describe, well, Dan, you just don't know. You know, what I've got, where it came from, how my mommy and daddy raised me, what they're doing to me, what the company's doing to me. Well, we're going to look at some of those obstacles that are out there. That's kind of our theme for today. Got a lot of success stories I want to share. Our sponsor today is Audible. Audible has over 150,000 titles where you can listen to great books. You know how I feel about great books. I got a great one to recommend to you today, and I'll tell you why. It has to do with what we think are obstacles and how we can get over those. The link is audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. You can go there and get a free copy if you're not yet a member of audible.com, which I encourage you to do. But I'll be giving you more information on that. Again, the link is audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. Now there's a couple of things I want to just share with you real quick. We, we've got some cool new things happening on 48days.com on the website. One of the things I get a lot of requests for is, you know, gee, Dan, what if I go to your site and I just want to know information that relates to resumes or to job search or negotiating salaries or starting my own business or finding my dream job. Well, we've got some categories there and you can always use the search bar at the bottom to just put that in. But we've also got a really cool widget happening right now, something my buddy Cliff Ravenscraft turned me on to. So over on the right-hand side of any of the major pages on our website, you'll see just categories, lots of categories. And the ones that are most referred to, most requested are in larger print. You click on that, you're going to get all the content on our site that really relates to that. If you go to the podcast and you want to know something that we talked about six weeks ago, I get a lot of requests about that. You know, I get requests where people listen to a podcast that I did a year ago and they say, hey, you referenced, you know, a a book where on page 78, it says this, you know, what was that again? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, I've done so many podcasts and things since then. I have no idea what I talked about a year ago, but anyway, these little widgets will help us out to, you know, help us out on that kind of stuff. I'm really kind of jazzed about what that does. I'm not even sure what it's called. I just had our tech guys make it happen. So there it is. You can check it out at 48days.com. Now, here's some of the things, the questions we're going to be talking about today. Dan, do you think it's wise to invest in multi-level marketing as a career choice? Okay, we'll talk about that. I mean, that comes up a ton. We'll, uh, we'll look at what that means. Someone says, do you believe money attracts more money? And I love that question. Dan, should I continue toward my goal, progressively realizing a worthy ideal and cut a new trail or prolong misery and mediocrity because my income has ceased? Well, I think it'd be pretty easy to answer that one. How can I locate hiring managers and recruiters to interview on my podcast? Now, here's one. Now, again, I don't know how many we'll get to because we got a whole lot of success stories today, but somebody says, my husband is a great guy disguised as a narcissist, alcoholic, and oftentimes immature, temper tantrum having egomaniac. I'm a realist and I'm concerned about the reality of my well being as well as the well being of those who I am closest to. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me to be questioning that 
for sure. Well, here's our quotation for the day. Now, this comes from Scott Adams. Now, you know Scott primarily as the author for Dilbert. There's amazing books that unpack the reality of the work situation. Got a cartoon that I'm going to read to you in a little bit that somebody pointed me to. But uh comes from Scott Adams, who says, Most success springs from an obstacle or failure. I became a cartoonist largely because I failed in my goal of becoming a successful executive. Now think about that for a minute. Now there've been a lot of people that have pointed that out, that a lot of times what seems like an obstacle points us in a direction that ultimately leads to our greatest success. Happens a lot. I mean, the kind of things, when I look back at my own upbringing, you know, poor farm kid, rural Ohio, dad pastored a little tiny church and we eked out a living farming. It caused me to be really inventive. I looked behind the curtain, so to speak, at a lot of things. I explored why things worked. I took little engines apart and saw why they worked. I looked for new opportunities. If I had had a little better path to success, I'd probably would have chosen something pretty predictable. And today I'd be in a pretty predictable role. I don't know. That probably wouldn't have happened for me because I, I wouldn't I wouldn't fit very well in a predictable career path anyway. But, you know, when I look at my background, I mean, even my brothers and sisters you know, complain about the background that we have. And I think, well, okay, geez, for me, it just caused me to look under the rug, look behind the bush, you know, find other opportunities to give me advantages. And I've looked at it all the way along. Now, here's the book that I'm going to recommend that just talks about exactly what we're talking about. How do we take an obstacle, a perceived obstacle, and turn it into our greatest advantage? Now, the book is Malcolm Gladwell's new book, David and Goliath. Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants is the subtitle. Now, the, the title tells you one story he talks about, David and Goliath. Now, you know about David in the Bible, David. He was a little guy, small, no military background. He had no armor, didn't know the rules of hand-to-hand combat. Well, you know how that story played out. He went up against a big giant who thought he would be dealing with somebody in hand-to-hand combat. Because of his size, he was pretty sure that he could take him down. Well, the very things that were David's disadvantages, looking in from the outside, turned out to be his advantage. His agility is not knowing the rules of military combat, not engaging in hand-to-hand combat. He ran toward the, the giant and then released his little stone with a sling, which he had become very, very good at as a shepherd boy. And took the giant out. Well, Malcolm goes on through with a whole lot of stories in there. I mean, he talks about Robin Williams. I mean, Robin Williams sees words today. He sees things upside down and backward. What happens to a little kid in the third grade when a teacher tells you to stand up and read and you get the words all jumbled up and all the kids laugh at you? That's a pretty good start to becoming a comedian. And of course, we know that's exactly what Robin Williams did. Harrison Ford was bullied in school and he finally decided he'd take classes like art and drama to stay away from the jocks, the big guys that were bullying him. And he discovered a passion of his and turns that into a pretty, pretty nice career. 
my own son, Jared, you've heard me talk about him, ADD, dyslexic, bipolar, all those wonderful terms. Well, he's doing pretty well for himself at this point. Not doing a normal kind of thing, no. Right now I'm working with a physician, 35 years old, physician, ADHD. He hates the predictable, monotonous routine of the work that he's doing. He's an emergency room doc of all things, but he, he hates it. He knows it's not a good fit. Did it because his mom and dad thought he ought to go to medical school. And he had the, even with his challenging ADHD, he had the ability to do well on tests because of the way that he sees things almost has a photographic memory, can see things and do real well on test. So he got through and now he's got an MD after his name hates what he's doing. Well, the fact that he is different as a doc, I think is going to be one of those obstacles that puts him on a path that very few docs ever get to experience. I mean, I'll have to give you an update in six months on this guy because we got some really cool things in the works that he's a candidate for that most docs are not. But again, if he did not have that obstacle of ADHD, he would just move into the comfortable, mediocre existence of yet one more doc. Well, you know, look at those things that you're doing. But anyway, get that book. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. You can get a free copy of David and Goliath. Download it and listen to it. If you've got anything you think is an obstacle, you will be encouraged by that book. Audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. Free copy, David and Goliath. Now, last week, I told you that I'd interview Joanne. Joanne has a brand new book out, Be Your Finest Start. We're getting rave reviews on that. Lots of people uh, sharing the stories, and we're, we're delighted about that. I don't have her on because... There are so many people asking questions about the concepts that she unpacks in the book about how to release our creativity that I'm going to do a special broadcast just with her, where the whole thing is just with her talking about that. Now, that's going to be on July 7th, Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. is going to be the live broadcast of that where you can ask questions. Uh, I'm going to set up a link for that. I'll set up a link in the in the show notes today that you can go right to. And if you're in 48days.net, you'll get a notice, notice about that. Anyway, it's going to be primarily for the 48days.net community, people who are active and involved there. But I'll put a note in the podcast notes today where you can link right to that. I'm going to talk to her about that. Now, here are some other success stories, though. Let me go through just a couple of these real quickly. This comes from Bruce Van Horn. Now, Bruce Van Horn wanted to thank people who were here with him in January of this year for coaching with excellence. Coaching with excellence is our premier program to get coaches started in the coaching. This is his success story and also his testimonial. He says, it's been a while since I posted. So I want to let you know how very thankful I am for all the prayers and support you've given me. I attended coaching with excellence in January of 2014. And that event completely changed my world. Shortly after attending in February, I got the call from my doctor that I didn't want to hear. I had had a rather aggressive form of prostate cancer at age 50. I announced to that group, the Coaching with Excellence people, and the outpouring of love and prayers was amazing. I had my surgery on April 7th, and while there were some complications during the surgery that caused me to lose over 60% of my blood, the surgery was a complete success. It took over two months before I started to feel human again from the blood loss, but I'm back in full swing and I've even started running again, which has shocked even my surgeon. 
The follow-up tests and scans have all come back all clear. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. I also wanted to tell you that because of the information, tools, encouragement, and confidence I got from Coaching with Excellence in just six months, three really because of the cancer, in three months, I have earned back over 10 times what I paid for Coaching with Excellence and coaching fees. My coaching practice has exploded and I'm turning away more requests than I'm accepting now. I found my true calling. I love being a life coach and my students are feeling and benefiting from my passion. The biggest news, now check this out. The biggest news is that I was selected to be the featured speaker and onboard life coach for the Run for Fun Cruise. That is an actual cruise, runforfuncruise.com. There will be over 250 runners and non-runners on this cruise. The director selected me not only because I'm an experienced runner, but primarily because I have a passion for helping people change their lives and for sharing my life experiences in a way that encourages others to overcome life's challenges. This is a huge honor, and I'm both excited and humbled for having been selected. I know that many of you will be cruising with Dan in February of 2015, and my cruise is on the very same dates. There's great news, though. I compared our schedules, and both ships will be in St. Martin on the very same day. If you're cruising with Dan, I'd love to meet up with you at some point while in St. Martin. Again, I want to extend a huge thank you to my Coaching with Excellence family, let you know how my how the three days at Sanctuary with Dan, Ashley, Kent, Julian, Jen McDonald, Sutton Parks, and many others completely changed my life. Well, thanks, Bruce, for your testimony. What an exciting story. Congratulations on overcoming the cancer and uh, going on. And golly, the other things that you're doing, how cool is that? You know, I looked at our schedule for the cruise, the Ultimate Advantage Cruise that's coming up in february of 2015 that'll be a delight we'll absolutely make it a point to connect with bruce while we're there for that one day in saint martin if you haven't yet checked out the cruise we got a lot more people coming on board every day uh, incidentally i've got a note here from somebody that was pretty interesting um who talked about the cruise let me find that real quick all right, where's my cruise note? Here we go. This comes from Russ. Russ says, Dan, just listen to the What's the Difference Between Fear and Courage podcast. In there, you made a comment about cruising in interior staterooms. I, I, th- I think I kind of joked about somebody who's going with us who requested an interior room because it's dark. And I couldn't imagine somebody requesting an interior room. But Russ says... In the many cruises my family has taken, we typically do request interior staterooms. Number one, it's darker when you sleep. Number two, it's less expensive. Number three, we found we're so rarely in the room other than to sleep, change clothes, that the additional dollars isn't worth it. And if you cruise Disney Cruise Lines, they have TV monitors for cameras on the outside of the ship to mimic having a porthole. Well, I, those things are true. I just can't imagine being, I, I don't like being in a room on the interior of the ship where I can't even see out. And Joanna and I do spend a lot of time in our room um, early mornings to sit out on the balcony. I certainly prefer it, but I'm glad people prefer the interior rooms. That's what makes cruises a lot of fun. The individual things you can choose. Well, this comes from Matthew Weathers, who says, now th- listen to how this starts out. He starts out, there was a man whose name was Dan. He taught a lot and gave his plan. The needed days are 48. Just do this stuff and you'll be great. (laughs) 
<laughs> what, what a cool little rhyme there. Matthew, thank you. He says, I hope the subject line and opening rhyme of my emails caught your attention for a few moments. I've been teaching in China the past six years. Now, I'm going to condense this, the lengthy overview here, but he's been teaching in China the past six years. He says, last summer, I married a beautiful young lady from New Zealand. We returned to Southern China to work at an international school. I was the vice principal. She was the English and music teacher. Because, because of health and visa reasons, we had to submit our resignations in April. We were advised to return to the States, and I had a job interview lined up for the day after we landed. However, we got to the States and found out she could not enter because her U.S. visa process was not yet complete. They told us to return to New Zealand to complete the process. Boom, they've done that. They've been back and forth various countries so they've been back in new zealand trying to straighten this all out getting things straight now but he says in the process of that he wrote a little book wrote a book of poems poems of a pilgrim it's now available on amazon or direct download for 2.99 my goal is not necessarily to make a ton of money though that would be really cool but to share simple truths and encourage hearts I'll attach a PDF of the book to this email for you to read if you would like. Well, I did read it. Very well done, Matthew. Delightful uh, example of turning lemons into lemonade, so to speak. He says, again, thanks for all the work you're doing. Please continue to teach and inspire so many of us from New Zealand. Matthew Weathers. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. Here's a note from Frank. Frank Zazanis, who has um, the... You are a business site that we talked about a couple weeks ago. It says I was super pumped the other day. I was in a bookstore and saw a dejected looking guy, a dejected guy looking at 48days.com while 48days.com looking at 48 days to the work you love. While I was picking up a copy of purple cow to give away at a business networking meeting. I started a conversation with the guy looking at 48 days, had the opportunity to close a sale of your book. When I found out the gentleman had just two days earlier lost a job, he was convinced was secure based on years invested. Told him about the podcast, the disc profile, all kinds of other awesome stuff you offer online. I was able to give him hope in that I had gone through 48 days myself and was able to assure him that if he followed the principles he would either get a new job or might even be inspired to start his own business. God bless you and your amazing work, Dan Frank. Well, thanks, Frank. I appreciate that so much. Now, Michelle, Michelle Wright read one of the current strips of Dilbert and said she immediately thought about me and how his strips, you know, make fun of the actual things that we do. Here's the, I'm going to have to read it, obviously, because you can't see the cartoon, but this is a Dilbert cartoon where in the first frame the little guy says i've been a slacker my entire career but now i want more out of life my plan is to listen to podcast while i drink coffee and surf the internet for fun i call it multi-slacking wish me luck well cute cartoon multi-slacking listening to podcasts and drinking coffee while you surf the internet i guess those would those would qualify if you don't if that doesn't lead you to action Obviously, we want it to lead you to action. Now, we got another one here from Josh, who says, knowing you're a car guy, I thought you'd find my story interesting. For the past 15 years, I've been working as a graphic designer in an office environment. I've become very unhappy working for someone else in the corporate world. So I decided to put my passion for cars and my entrepreneurial spirit to the test. For the past five months, I've been developing a brand of auto parts for classic trucks. I've taken my past experience in marketing and branding and I've applied that to my new business. 
I'm focusing on handcrafted, vintage-inspired parts for guys and gals who like to customize their classic trucks. My first product is still under development, but I have a prototype and I'm very close to shipping it and talks about the effect of the podcast and encouraging him. Thanks for all you do. You've been an inspiration. Well, thanks for sharing that, Josh. I mean, what a cool thing. Josh's site is Relicate, R-E-L-I-C-A-T-E.com. I did go there and look at some of the mirrors you're looking at or you're working on and uh, looks really, really cool. Now, one more quick one. This comes from Matthew Jones. He says, Dan, you told me you wanted to hear back from me this month that I had finally started my project with Life's Beachy. I don't know if you remember my grim and dark email that I sent you several months back asking you what I should do. I had been stuck, depressed, and had lost all hope. It's weird what having a little faith and not giving up can do. Now, in that, I, I do remember, I went back and looked at that email. This was back in January. So six, seven months ago, Matthew wrote a note about it. when he got back from Iraq, he got very depressed and really um, went through some really tough challenges and just feeling like there was really no option, no hope. Um, gave him some tips at that time. And this is his update. After being unemployed for the majority of the year, my old job called me in Florida asking if I would come back to work in management, making more money than I've ever made in the past. Because of this, I'm now back in my favorite part of the country and I can financially afford to pursue my dreams. When I emailed you before, I asked you about life's beachy. Now he had talked about being out on the beach and he had meant to say life's peachy, but he said life's beachy because he was on the beach and he thought he'd kind of leverage that into a blog and maybe a podcast just about how great things are on the beach. He says it's a small idea that I had. Well, I finally launched a Facebook page with plans for a website in the near future. Uh, I can't believe how afraid I was to even just launch a Facebook page. And what do you know? I launched it and no one has tried to attack me. All of my fears were so irrational. I didn't, I don't know what it'll turn into, but my excitement about this new beginning in my life cannot be matched. If you're ever in the Destin, Florida area, I'd really like to take you to dinner to thank you for what your inspiration has done for me. My biggest lesson I've learned over this past year is to never let your fears keep you from starting. Well, very, very good. We could go on and on the, the notes that are coming in 48days.net and that we get here personally about success stories are amazing. We love those. Keep those coming in. We're going to gear up here to just put you in the category of being champions. If you're one of the champions, you can certainly go to 48days.com, click on the podcast link. You can leave your story there. Look for that little starburst there. Sometimes people have trouble finding that, but you look for the little starburst to leave your question or comment there. Or you can just shoot an email directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Keep those stories coming in. Love hearing how you are the champions. Well, let's go on to some questions here. This comes from Russ, who says, oh, no, that's the one that says he, he likes the interior rooms on the cruise ship. I already did that one. I'll skip over that one. Let's go to Michael who says, thanks in advance for taking your valuable time to read this. I'll be brief. So I, so I don't take too much of your time. I'm a 28 year old husband and father of four kids and I've reached a fork in the road of life. I can either go back to school this fall to pursue a career as a PTA or take a different approach. I've taken an interest in multi-level marketing as a career choice. Do you think it's wise to invest any time in such a venture? Well, 
Michael, I don't know enough about you or your situation to really make an informed suggestion here, but you say that you can go back to pursue a career as a PTA. I assume that's not a, a parent teacher association guy, That's but it's a physical therapist a, a, assistant, I assume is what you're talking about. Certainly a worthy career path, a lot of demand there, certainly good opportunity there. Quite different from what would be required in a multi-level marketing company. The question about multi-level marketing is not, is it a legitimate business opportunity or is it a good company? Because both of those are true. I mean, it's certainly a legitimate business plan. There are a lot of great companies out there. The real question is, does that business model fit you? Now to do that well, you need to be somebody who's very outgoing, very gregarious, social, you know, the kind of person who breaks the silence in an elevator, or the kind of guy who walking through the airport talks to 30 people before you get to your gate. Now, if you're that kind of person, chances are network marketing would work really well for you. If you're not, don't try to make that work. Again, there are a lot of very worthy products and very good companies out there who are set up with that kind of a business model. That's not the issue. I'm not knocking those companies. I'm just saying, is it a good fit for you? And my beef with network marketing historically has been the way they recruit anybody telling anybody, you know, you can, you can make this work and you can be making $10,000 next month. I mean, that's ridiculous. That doesn't work for very many people. That's why there's so many horror stories and such a very small percentage of people really do make that work. So the real question is, is the business model a fit for you where you talk to other people about the business opportunity, get a few people to come over to your house on a Thursday evening and uh, explain to them how they can get involved, the benefits of the company and all that. I mean, if those kind of things appeal to you, then certainly, but then the real, then the issue there is it's not a matter of being with exactly the right company. If the model fits you, you can go with any one of a hundred companies and do well. If you're a gal and that model, what I just described fits you, you could do well with Mary Kay, Arbonne, NSA, Herbalife. You can go on with all the others, Amway. You can be, you can do well with any of them. I mean, you really can. So it's not a matter of, gee, it's the only company. This company is going to reach critical mass and all those kind of pet phrases that they use. Eh, that doesn't really matter in the long run. It's does the business model fit you? Now, this question comes from David, who says, Dan, I'm working with a group of young Boy Scouts and really want to teach them the entrepreneurship merit badge. And which they really do have. I mean, that, that is one of the badges. I'm planning on using your book, 48 No or Low Cost Business Ideas, to supplement the course as starting a small business is required for this merit badge. What additional resources would you suggest that might really add value and encourage these boys to really catch the entrepreneurial spirit? Thanks, Dan, for all you do and for blessing my life. Well, David, thanks for your note. I'll tell you what, I love that what you're, what you're describing here, the fact that they do have an entrepreneurship badge that they need to earn. Your excitement, your confidence, your belief in the opportunities in this arena are going to be more important than any resource that you use. Now, I'm delighted you're going to use 48 no-cost and low-cost business ideas because that does go through some very simple ideas that Boy Scouts could do. I mean, the kind of thing where you get two old tractor tires from the local tire store at no charge at all, 
and then you dig some holes in somebody's backyard, bury them about a third deep, uh, put some wood chips around them, paint those. I mean, it's a very low cost materials, and yet it makes a really cool component in a backyard playground area. It's a favorite area my grandkids have. We've got a lot of things around here. It's still one of their most favorite areas to go there. They crawl through them, they hide in them, they jump on top of them, they jump from one to the other. You know, they're the captain of a ship one minute because they're standing on top. I mean, the imagination goes wild just with something that simple. So yeah, pull ideas out of that. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about some kids that had started businesses that were really unusual. I talked about um, in, in the podcast from May 30th, actually, is where that was, where I talked about kids under under 13, I think it was, who had made a lot of money with their ideas. A little kid who set up an arcade in the back of his dad's auto parts store, set up an arcade made out of cardboard boxes, and he'd charge kids to come in and play in the little arcade that he made out of cardboard boxes. Well, they got a lot of a lot of press, that little video. is It's Kane's Arcade, C-A-I-N-E-S. You can look that up and see the video. It's been viewed millions of times, and they set up a way for you to contribute to his college fund. And he now has over $200,000 in his college fund. So that's kind of cool. I mean, there's some really neat things that are happening there. You can look at resources like that. Uh, There are Ted talks. I'll put some links in the show notes today. There are Ted talks, 13 talks from kids in their teens. And these are kids who are scientists, musicians, innovators, but they're all in their teens and those little videos, which are, you know, 18 minutes long because they're Ted talks have the teens talking about the things that they've done to develop businesses. Those would be really inspiring to have your boy scouts watch one of those 18 minutes, get some inspiration, take off on your own idea. Lane says, I have to ask this because I'm afraid that my thinking may be foggy. Should I continue toward my goal? I'm going to, I'm going to condense this. Lane's question is pretty lengthy, but, but this is the one where he in essence says that, um, should he continue working toward a worthy goal and cut a new trail or prolong misery and mediocrity because my income has ceased. Well, don't stay where you're miserable and where your income has ceased, but by all means you need to cut a new trail. If that's the only option you have there. Now, what Lane is asking about is to find small businesses to buy improve and flip. So essentially flipping businesses, like a lot of people you hear about flipping houses or you see the shows on TV about flipping houses where somebody buys a house, rehabs it over a period of a month, puts it back in the market. Lane's talking about doing that with businesses. Now the things that concern me, Lane, in your question is where you say, I'm afraid that I won't be able to get investors that want to do this with me. Yeah, I think you got your work cut out for you. To make investors believe that you have the capability of doing this, you should have done five or six of these deals yourself already. If you're coming out of an employee position and just have this idea, but you want people to put money in, believing that you're going to develop the systems needed in a business to make it more profitable, to put it back on the market and flip it and sell it. Yeah, I think that's an impossible goal. I I can't imagine that working. If you have a track record of having done that, in five or six times yourself so that you can say, Hey, I did this. I bought it for 30,000. We flipped it and sold it for 90 six months later, or bought a business for 150 and we sold it for 300. 
mean, if you have a track record of doing that, sure, then you can get the confidence of investors. But investors are going to be looking not at the business idea. They're going to be looking at you. Do they have confidence in you? That's what investors look for. And unless you are already positioned in that space, I think this is going to be a really big challenge to do this. Now, could you do this yourself? Could you buy a little struggling business and improve it? Yeah, but if we look at most little businesses that are struggling, let's, let's just give me, uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Let's say that we have a business that is doing car detailing. So they bring cars in and they clean them up just super clean, you know, under the hood, the carpets, the windows, the tires are shining and all that. You detail cars and somebody has that business and they're really struggling. You know, they're eking out $30,000 a year. And you think if the business could be improved, it could make more money. And the guy says, Hey, I'll sell you my business for $50,000. So you buy the business for $50,000. Now he's got in real tangible merchandise and materials, probably $2,000 worth of equipment. Let's say that he has a lease on a building. You know, the lease is $800 a month and he has equipment that goes along with that. You buy the business for $50,000. You have to really get in there and crank to not only make the business profitable, but to repay the debt you now have or the money you invested in the business. Whereas what if you just saw that business idea and said, I think I can do a good job with that. And you went out and spent a thousand dollars in materials and you just started, you could do the same thing. Just start. Now the assumption is with an established business that he has established customers, you know, a great location. So we're talking about blue sky. We're talking about the real, PR value of a business, but with little businesses, they often don't have much. I mean, if it's not a, a recognized name, it probably doesn't have a lot of value beyond just the real assets in the company. Same thing if somebody has a landscaping business. Yeah, they got a few lawnmowers and you know, they got a business and they're advertising the business for $80,000 and you think you could make it more profitable. Well, the question is, would it be better to buy that business and make it more profitable or to just start a business from scratch doing that very thing. And I find that most businesses that are doing eh, less than half a million dollars a year or so, you're really probably better off just starting a new business rather than buying one and trying to improve it. So that's, that's another thing there. Eh, I'm, it's hard for me to get it, get excited about what you're describing. Well, this comes from, this comes from Adam and uh, I got to, I got to set the stage here. Because he asked this. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars, if I had Well, here, here's Adam's question. He said that he heard me recently describe that my dream job the product dream job that I did with Nightingale Conant was ranked number three in Nightingale Conant customer rating for all the products they've ever created. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really thrilled about that. I was thinking, Adam says, I was thinking of what a financial boost that must've been. And it led me to ask these three questions. If someone dropped $10 million in your lap tomorrow, would it change anything you do or how much you work? If someone were to do the same thing to you 15 to 20 years ago when money wasn't as abundant, but you were still happy in your work, would you have quit what you were doing then? 
How do you learn to enjoy the entrepreneurial journey with all the ups and downs, even when you have those moments when you realized you climbed the ladder on the wrong wall? Wow. All right, let me comment on those. If somebody dropped $10 million to my lap tomorrow, would it change anything I do now or how much I work? No, it really won't. I mean, I do love what I do. I do have a lot of flexible time. Joanna and I do you know, travel and spend time with grandkids and all that. I mean, I have the life I'm living now. That's why retirement has zero appeal to me. Zero, zilch, none, nada. Because this is it. This is the life I want to be living till the day I die. So if somebody dropped $10 million in my life tomorrow, I'm sure there are some people we'd help out, but it wouldn't change anything. It would, it would not change our house. It wouldn't change the way we live, the places we go, the, the restaurants we eat at. It really wouldn't. I mean, we've made those decisions a long time ago. And, you know, I've, I've fortunately been in a position where we have not been just stretching to, well, if we could afford to, I mean, I still go to Taco Bell. You hear me talk about that. I take my granddaughters to Taco Bell. They're vegetarian and it's the best place I know to give them a selection they want for food that they eat. I mean, why would I go to, why would I go to a restaurant where it's $20 a plate? You know, when I have a five and a seven year old with me for lunch, I mean, it makes no sense at all. It doesn't matter how much money I have. So no, it wouldn't change anything. Now, if, if someone had do the same thing to you 15 to 20 years ago when money wasn't abundant, now that's an interesting question. If I back up the clock 20 years ago, right when the 48 days to the work you love concept was kind of picking up speed, $10 million then, you know, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I, I might've done some things that would have sabotaged some of the things that I've developed since then. I mean, I could see that happening. I mean, I think too much money too early in a lot of times keeps people from really developing their best talents. So I'm glad I didn't get $10 million back then. I love the journey. I love the process. I love the, the process of stretching. You know, we, we talk about a caterpillar getting out of the cocoon and becoming a butterfly. Well, if you see one of those on a tree, you know, a little kid's instinct is always to let's get a scissors and snip the cocoon open and help that thing get out of there. But you know what happens if, if you do that, if you do, the thing comes out as a bulbous mass and lives for about 24 hours and dies because it's the struggle, the push, the strain of getting out of there that forces blood out into the tips of what then becomes the wings and it becomes a beautiful butterfly. It has to go through the struggle. So I, I've never looked for ways to short circuit the process. Now, do I just set myself up for struggle? No, but again, just like we were talking about earlier, you know, the obstacles that we have are usually not deterrents to our ultimate success. They often are the very thing we need for our ultimate success. So, so I have enjoyed the journey with its ups and downs. Now, the third question is, how do you learn to enjoy the entrepreneurial journey with all the ups and downs? even when you have those moments when you realize you climbed the ladder on the wrong wall. That's a Stephen Covey principle on a seven habits of highly effective people where he talks about, and I, I questioned people. I worked with the professional yesterday and I questioned that very thing. I said, you had the ability to go on to college, to graduate school. And now you got a fancy acronym behind your name. 
And I said, you're an example of somebody who climbed the wall of success only to realize the ladder was leaning on the wrong wall. Now I've really, I've never felt that. I've never felt that. I've never felt like, wow, I took a wrong path. I shouldn't be doing this. I should have, um, you know, gotten my degree in dentistry or medicine or seminary degree or something. I just never have. I've, I've always enjoyed the path that I've been on. So I've enjoyed the ups and downs because I've enjoyed overall the journey beyond description. Can't imagine a life different than the one I've had. Now that's just me. I mean, other people could answer those differently, but thanks for your questions, Adam. I love thinking through that. It causes me to kind of reflect and um, I'm always looking back, looking forward at the same time, trying to reevaluate where I am. I just wrote a note to my daughter-in-law in Nairobi, Kenya. They're getting ready to make a move to Brazil. And she said, you know, that they're really in a process of reevaluating. They're 35 years old. They're really reevaluating their work, their life, their impact on the world and all that. And I said, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I said, I'm doing that too. I said, there's nothing that scares me more than sameness, the predictability of just things that lead to boredom. That would scare me to death. I'm constantly looking for ways to reevaluate, reassess where I am and figure out new things that I can do tomorrow. Well, let me move on. Gerard, well, it's probably Jared, Jared. Okay. Another spelling of Jared says, Dan, do you believe money attracts more money? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now think about it. I mean, for those of you who have had some success, it's a whole lot more difficult to make the first hundred thousand dollars than it is the second. I mean, I mean, for somebody to go from $20,000 to $40,000, is really, really difficult. For somebody to go from 500,000 to a million can happen overnight. Yeah, so I absolutely believe that money attracts more money. Not sure, there's a deeper question there, I'm just gonna move on. This question comes from James, it says, I just finished reading 48 Days to the Work You Love. I really enjoyed the book. I have an idea for a personal finance budgeting computer application that I think could help people manage your finances. I have a Microsoft Excel version that I've been building using for several years. My family and friends love the spreadsheet and use it too. I don't have any app programming skills, but I have a really neat vision for this project. How should I move on this? Do you have any tips or ideas for me to develop this software and monetize my idea? I think it's tough. I mean, when you talk about personal finance budgeting, I I can jump online and there's going to be a thousand different versions of things that I can use for budgeting and using spreadsheets and apps that I can get. I mean, most of those free. I think it's going to be really challenging to stand out in that crowd with what's already available. Unless you come up with some really cool name for what it is that you do that people just can't ignore. And when we think about new products being developed, a lot of times it's not the uniqueness of the product. Somebody develops a name for that product that makes it really noticeable. So when somebody develops sunglasses for their dog because they realize their dog was squinting in the sun the same as they were, they don't call those sunglasses for dogs. They call them doggles, doggles. And that trademark name is what made that young couple wildly successful. It was because they named it something, even though it was a very generic product. That's what you're going to have to do. If you're going to have something that stands out here, you're going to have to come up with a name that really stands out. 
if you're going to have something in that space that gets any kind of attention at all. Frankly, I wouldn't spend a lot of time there. I mean, if you've got something that people are using, it's, it's helpful for you, you know, that's fine. And if you want to give it another name, but I wouldn't go too deep in that direction because it's so ubiquitous. That means that there's so many options available to people. I just think it's going to be really hard to do something unique in that space. Let me go to, I'm going to jump down here a few to this one question that I want to get to. Okay. Now I'm not going to, I'm not going to give a name because it's a unique name and what identify the, the listener instantly. But she says, how do I get back on track? I think that through a series of several events spanning several years, 25 years of marriage and then some, and most recently the loss of my father, my youngest child leaving for college, the loss of my beloved dog, my husband's decision to relocate us, my spirit is broken. I feel like I've lost my ability to hope and dream and believe in myself and my abilities. I'm 48 years old, a full-time student. Following a separation and near divorce five years ago, I decided to leave my job of 15 years and return to school, hoping to achieve my dreams of a college degree as well as providing a sense of security for my somewhat uncertain future. I really believe that this was the right decision, but it feels like I'm just slipping further and further away from stable ground. My husband is a great guy disguised as a narcissist, alcoholic, and oftentimes immature, temper tantrum having ego maniac. It occurred to me recently that my well is run dry. I don't want a divorce. I don't want to create problems for myself by overcomplicating or overthinking my life, my situation. I recognize this tendency in my life, and I fear that I've lost my ability to discern what is truth and what is trouble. I think that I'm a good person, level-headed, compassionate, articulate, emotionally intelligent, and with something real to offer. I'm not a depressed. I'm not depressed nor pessimistic but I'm a realist and I'm concerned about the reality of my well-being as well as the well-being of those I'm closest to. How do I begin to work this out? You have presented an extremely challenging situation. I mean, we talk a lot here about the impact of the people we spend the most time with. The old Jim Rohn statement that we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. I mean, if you're spending a lot of time with somebody who is pulling you down, it's going to have an impact. Now, this is challenging. This is not a coworker. If it's a coworker, get another job. Get out of there. When it's a marriage partner, that's very, very different. You're not going to hear me say, gee, just you know, get a divorce, go on your own way. But you've got to recognize the negative impact of what you're describing, and you're going to have to find ways to spend time with people who are already performing in ways you want to perform people who will pull you up people who encourage you to be your best self, not people who will pull you down. So you've got to find time, major blocks of time that you spend with people like that. And you've got to be around people who are optimistic and who are doing great things in order to pull, pull those characteristics out of yourself. Otherwise you will get buried in this mess that you're describing. It breaks my heart to hear you describing that. Um, but you, you recognize it. You, you, your writing is amazing. You are extremely articulate and, and very engaging and compelling in the way that you write. And I'd like to see you do something with that, but yes, look at things you can do to develop your own success. 
sometimes we have to look at what is it we can control, what is it we can't control, and make decisions based on what we can control. You can control your attitude. You can control your future in terms of determining what it is you're going to develop, the skills and talents you're going to develop to give you at least some portions of the life that you know you can have and that you deserve. Tough thing, but the main thing is get around people who are going to encourage you and who are already performing at a level at which you want to perform. Well, tough one to end with. Hey, these are real challenges. You know, we hear the success stories. I'm delighted to hear those, but we also need to recognize sometimes there are circumstances and situations that are challenging. We have to do our best to determine and to create what our future is going to be. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing group of people. Check out the 48days.net activities. We've got a lot of people there who are doing some really cool things. But thanks for being part of this group where we are finding or creating work that is meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable. Have a great week. Let us know what your successes are.